in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So when I arrived uh, to church this morning, I, uh, I told Abuna Daniel, Abuna, what are you going to talk to us about today? Then Abuna told me, you're going to talk to us. <laughs> and then I, and I told him, okay, so what do I talk about? And then he told me, you're going to talk about what's on the cross. He said, you're going to talk about what's on the cross. And then immediately when Abuna said this, then I looked at the cross, and I looked on top of the cross, this very beautifully decorated cross that uh, they, they put up here yesterday. And I saw there is a, a plate up there. Can you guys read it? There are four letters in it. صح? Okay, the four letters are what I, N, R, I. Okay, what language is this? Hebrew? No, not Hebrew. What language is this coming from? The origin, Greek? No, not Greek. Latin, it's coming from the origin Latin. Okay, anybody knows what those four letters mean? Or what, what four letters say? They're, they're, they're an abbreviation. Obviously, they're an abbreviation of four words, okay? Do we know what they are? Well, the first one is easy to, for, to, to figure out. I is for Jesus, okay? Jesus means what? Jesus, not Christ. Don't confuse it, okay? That's, I'm going to say by the time. Okay, so the I for Jesus, okay? Jesus is mean what? Jesus. The next one is what? N. King. What's the king? M is not N. Okay. This is, this is, again, this is coming from the Latin origin. So the N is for the word Nazareus. Nazareus. Okay. Was Jesus Nazareth or Jesus of Nazareth? Okay. So Jesus Nazareus. Okay. The next letter is what? R, okay, what is R? This is Latin, okay? So, king. What's the origin Bata'ha, the Latin? Rex, exactly. The, the, the origin Latin, like the origin Latin for it is Rex. Like those of you that are into dinosaur, like say T-Rex or Tyrannosaurus Rex, okay? So Rex is a Latin word which means king, okay? So Esos, Nazareus, Rex. And then the last one is what? Is another I, okay? And that last one is Euderium, which means the Jews, okay? Euderium, okay? So, Jesus, Nazareus, Rex, Euderium, okay? Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And those are the four words that I'm going to speak about today and the spiritual meaning of each one of them. The first word is Jesus, Jesus. The word Jesus, it's stemming from the origin, the origin is Yeshua or Yeshua. What is the word Yeshua or Yeshua, which also another derivative of it is Isaiah or Ashaya. Okay, it all comes from the same derivative. What does it mean? What does Yeshua means? What does Yeshua means? What does Jesus or Jesus mean? Jesus means God 
saves. So what he is offering us is salvation. Christ is come, the Lord Jesus Christ is come to offer for us salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from everything. Salvation from sin. Salvation from sin that has bound us, that has binded us for years. Salvation from bad habits. He's coming to set us free and to save us from the bonds of death. When the Lord Jesus Christ last Saturday called for Lazarus to come out of the tomb, as soon as he came out of the tomb, it says that he came out of the tomb and he was bound hand and feet. His whole body was wrapped and his faith was covered. And then he said to the disciples and to everybody, loose him and let him go. Or in other terms, set him free. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to offer us salvation. What he can do in my life and in your life is he can set us free. So, so whatever it is that I have been bound in, whatever the bad habits or whatever, whatever sin that I, I, I have been bound with, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming today and he's telling you, I am coming to offer you salvation. Coming to offer you salvation. Now, the term salvation, <coughs> sometimes it's not very clear for us. But uh, St. Paul, he goes and then he says, who can save me from this body of death? And when, we, when he says, who can save me from this body of death? To bring it a little bit closer to our understanding, let me explain to you what is the story behind the body of death. The Romans had a way of punishing murderers. If you are to commit a murder, then they find that you are the person that have done this, okay? and they want to punish that person. What they do is they bring that person who committed the murder and the person who have been murdered. Now this is going to get a little bit too graphic, okay? And they tie both of them together. They tie both of them together. Head facing head, face, mouth facing mouth, nose facing nose eyes bound together, their whole bodies together until this person comes to see the result of his sentence. The body whom, who, whom he killed is deteriorating and going corrupt in front of him. So St. Paul, when he says, who shall save me from the body of this death? Because he understands he understands that the sin that we have committed, the result of it is death, and this is going to go corrupt. Who can save me from this? And Jesus Christ is coming today. And the first word that Pilate ordered it to be put on his cross is the word Isus, which means savior. He is the one that's coming to save us. Who can save you? A lot of times we feel that we are put 
in, in, in certain situations in our life that we don't even know if there's even a way out. And sometimes we turn around to see if, if someone can help. And sometimes people can't help. Or sometimes help comes up a little bit too late. A couple of days ago, I had to call 911 for something, and it took them nine minutes to answer. Nine minutes. Can you imagine if this was somebody who was having a cardiac arrest or something like that? Nine minutes. already, <laughs> and today will be in paradise. <laughs> yeah. For, 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 for a lot of times we turn to, to others for salvation. There is no salvation other than here. So this is why the first word that was written there is Esos, which means savior. Now, the next word is the N, which is Nazareus. Okay, we look at it. Okay, very easy. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth because he came from a city that is called Nazareth. So it's just referring to the, the, his hometown. But there is more meaning behind it. Because Matthew, when he speaks about that Jesus is going to be in Nazareth, he says, so that the prophecy may be fulfilled, that he shall be called a what? A Nazarene. A prophecy shall be fulfilled, fulfilled that he will be called a Nazarene. Now, can anyone tell me where is that prophecy? that said that he will be called Nazarene, Nasiri? Well, let me say it in another way. Is there even a prophecy that says that he shall be called a Nazarene? No. So, Google it, above you, look on Google it, okay? So let me tell you, there is no prophecy that straight out says he shall be called Nazarene. Allah, yibba Matthew, bithak alina, okay? When he says to fulfill the prophecy, la, bithak alina. The word Nazarene means a branch, ghusn. The word Nazarene means a, a branch or ghusn. Now, is there a prophecy that says that he will be a branch stemming from the root of Jesse? Yes, in the book of Isaiah. Okay, so the prophecy is there, but it doesn't say the term Nazarene, but it says the meaning of the word Nazarene, which is a branch, a branch stemming from the root of Jesse. Branch stemming from a root. What is that a symbol of? I'll give you a story that will explain. We live in California, and because we live in California, we have to adapt to some of the nice little creatures that live in the state of California. One of them that you all have to grow to adapt very quickly to, especially if you have a fruit tree in your backyard is a little thing with a big fairy tail that's called, thank you very much, it's called a squirrel. Okay, so my parents had a fruit tree, an avocado tree, 
I didn't even know that it was a fruit until I, later on. But so they had a fruit tree, and then we had few squirrels that always devoured their avocado. They tried everything to get rid of the squirrel to save the avocado. They couldn't get rid of the squirrel. So they figured the best thing they do is let's get rid of the tree so that we don't get the well, a squirrel, well, a avocado. So they called their gardener, and their gardener came. And he literally sawed the tree from its root. From the root, this much. Just saw it flat. And they got rid of the whole entire. And this is okay. No more avocado, no more squirrel, no problem. I was very sad to see the avocado tree having, being gone. But then I went a year later. And then something very interesting happened. Is from that flat, sharply cut stem of the avocado tree, it in the middle of that, a branch is coming out. Ghusn, okay, coming out. And it's blossoming and it's starting to grow. And before, you know, we'd give it a few years, and there will be another avocado tree in, in, in the house. That branch that's coming out is a symbol of life. The Lord Jesus Christ, Isus, coming to give you salvation, Nazareus, coming to give you life. He's a branch. He's coming to give us life. Though, all of us say, well, we're alive and we are perfectly well. We eat, we drink, we walk, we talk, we do everything. Well, but then come tonight. And when you come tonight and you hear in the book of Revelation, when now St. John is going to shock us with the very harsh truth, is that sometimes we have the name of being alive, though that we are dead. We are dead. We are dead because being away from God means dead. That's the bottom line. Because he is the source of life. Because by him, we live, we move, and we exist. It's by him we live, we move, and we exist. We are away from him. We have an appearance of life. <coughs> an image of someone who is alive. But in, in, in depth, in reality, it's dead. Don't a lot of times you feel yourself standing even here in prayer and you feel dead, there's nothing, nothing, nothing coming up. Allow him to enter into your life and see what he will do. Everything will become alive again. Because he has come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. This is what he's, he's coming to have for us to have life and to have life a more abundantly. So, Esau's coming to give us salvation, Nazareth coming to give us life. Now, the number three, is the R. You all now remember the R is for what? Rex, okay, R is for Rex, king. Let me ask you a question. <coughs> when I say king, what's the immediate uh, thought that comes to our mind? When I say somebody, uh, what does the king do? 
What does the king do? Rule. Sahad al kilmat rule. Or they move the okay. I read their lips, okay? So it says rule, okay? So immediately the first thing is we understand the word, the term rule. Which in reality it is true. Rule. But immediately we put underneath the word or next to the word rule means control, right? Collect taxes. Render to Caesar what is Caesar. Caesar can collect the money. Immediately we think the king rule, number one, the king controls, he collects taxes, he is definitely carries the sword, right? Because it says that the king does not carry the sword haphazardly. It's been put in, so he carries the sword, so means king does what also? He punishes as well. But can I ask a question? Why can't we think that the king rule but rule as not so much in control <coughs> or punish, but as in to provide or to take care of. The new election is going to be coming up before we know it, okay? I, I don't know Emta, but Trump is finishing up the first term. And before you know it, there's going to be the the election for whether he's going to stay another term or somebody else. Now, when election comes up, now usually all those that are running for the office, each one of them will come out with his, his uh, 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 agenda or whatever the proposal, right? And usually when they come to propose, they say, I am coming and if you allow me to be president for you, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do whatever, but then you start talking about all the social security stuff and all the economy stuff and how your life is going to be happy. And, and the reality, I don't want to get into politics, but the reality is most of these people, they see all that good stuff, right? And then once they take office, none of that stuff happens. Or if, if it happens, then only one side of it happens, and then the other side of dunya but booze, okay? Like the, the whole tax uh, the whole tax reform that they did a couple of years ago, it fixed something, but then it completely ruined a whole bunch of, of, of other things. So this is the situation, okay? This is what, what the earthly kings can do for you. But the Lord Jesus Christ is coming and he's saying, I want to rule in your heart. I want to rule in your life, but why is your understanding of me ruling over your life? Why is it only equal that, oh, that means all of a sudden that there's a whole bunch of can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. There's a whole bunch of you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. And this is often what we're thinking. Well, Christianity is so restricting, right? Because for me to follow Christ, that means I can't do all the fun stuff. Who said that? You can do all the fun, pure stuff. You can have all the enjoyment that God has put in the earth here, but in its original form. Before man falls in sin, and before the result of that sin corrupts the earth and corrupts all the God-giving gifts that he has given to us. 
even our fleshly things, even our even our our ability to enjoy food and our ability even to enjoy relationships, all these are things that Christ has put, God has created and put in us and instilled in us for us to enjoy it in its pure format. Our sin is what corrupted it, okay? So God is coming and saying, today he's telling you, let me rule over your life. Let me let me reign over your life. Allow me to be king over your life and see how I will take care of you. You've tried taking care of yourself so many times and you've always failed. You've tried submitting your lives to others to take care of you and they have always failed you as well. It's about time to let me rule over your life. So Esos, so means I'm coming to give you salvation. Nazareus, I'm coming to give you life. Rex, I'm coming to rule and reign over your life and take care of you. And the last one is Erodium. I'm sorry, Eudorium. Eudorium, which means Judah. Now, let's go back a little bit. Ejudadayan, okay? The word Judah in itself, of course, <coughs> Yahud, uh, the Jews, Okay, Jews coming from the word Judah, and the word Judah, the origin, the origin for it, if you Google it, okay, or if you go on Wikipedia, you'll find that the origin for it is the word praise. معنى كلمة يهوزة أو يهود is the word praise. Usually, when we think of the word praise, we think of the word what joy, happiness, صح. Okay? We should praise when we're happy. Okay? So Christ is coming to give us happiness. This is why today, today, not tomorrow, today, before you leave the church, the colors of these curtains is going to change. And it's going to switch from black to white. Because he wants to tell you, you accept me in your life, I turn your sadness into joy. Before he gets crucified, he says to the disciples that I am going and your heart will be saddened. But I will see you again and your sadness will turn into joy and no one will be able to take this joy from you. Because whatever joy, whatever happiness, whatever praise that the world has to offer, it's all false and it's all temporary, not permanent. It all just takes its time and then goes away. You go buy a new car, you get happy with it. After a few months, it gets dirty, you know, starts broken down. Somebody rear ends you or dings your door or something like that. Then all of a sudden, you start looking at this. I wish I got something else. It's not like the something else is not going to get hurt. It's still going to get hit and you're going to say the same thing. Whatever it is that the world offers is temporary. But Christ is saying, I'm coming to give you praise joy, happiness, that when I enter your life, you will be happy and you will be truly happily ever after. That term happily ever after exists in only two things, in Christianity and in Disney cartoons, okay? <laughs> now, let me just tell you, Disney cartoons is only cartoons, okay? 
So when the prince and princess, they met and they got married, they got happily ever after. It's not really ever after. It's only up until the movie ended. And then after this, <laughs> started fighting. So happily ever after only exists in reality, only exists in Christianity. Okay, Only when Christ enters your life, that is truly when you become happily ever after. Okay. Now, by the way, if you pay attention, you'll find all these words, we sing them in Tazbiha, صح? Because we say, we thok tatigum, صح? And then we say in it, eh, my good savior, okay? So the second verse, we said, good savior. The first word, Jesus, savior, okay? And then <coughs> when we say, Emmanuel, our God and our King, it's that word King. And then when we say my song and my praise and has become my sacred salvation, this is the last word. And the result of all of this is when we receive, when we receive life from him. Uh, thank you, Abuna Daniel, for pointing to me to talk about what's on top of the cross. May we be hers and doors of the word and glory be to God forever. Amen.